Welcome to Episode 8 in Revelation, an Idealist Interpretation. I'm Father Ron Shibley, founder and director of the Anglican Internet Church and the director of this series. Episode In Episode 4, I reviewed the five common literary characteristics of the seven letters. If you'd like to hear them again, please visit the video archive on our YouTube page or listen to the podcast version. Also, if you have not already reviewed uh, episode 2, which includes my primer on numerology, I urge you to do so since understanding how John used numerology is critical to understanding this series of programs on Revelation. The focus of this episode is the seventh and final letter addressed to the church at Laodicea. The seventh letter is fairly long and filled with imagery which repeats themes from chapter 1 and also offers a prelude to themes which will come in later chapters. The church at Laodicea is generally called the lukewarm church, owing to the reference to being neither hot nor cold in verse 15. Laodicea, one of three cities in the Lycus Valley, the others being Colossae and Hierapolis, was the farthest inland of the seven churches of Asia Minor. It was founded in the early 3rd century B.C., and was mostly destroyed by the same earthquake which leveled nearby Colossae in 60 A.D. Rebuilt after the earthquake, possibly in the reign of Hadrian, by the early 5th century it had become one of the largest Christian communities in Asia Minor. This rebuilt city was completely destroyed in an earthquake near the end of the 5th century and was never rebuilt. The ruins of Laodicea are near the Turkish city of Ekisar in Denzili province. Tradition in the Eastern Church credits the founding of the church there to Epaphras, the friend of St. Paul who is mentioned in St. Paul's epistles to Philemon and the Colossians. In this section, I am using a photograph of the ruins of the basilica at Laodicea taken on May 16th in A.D. 2012. Now here is chapter 3, verses 14 to 22. To the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things says the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know your works, that you are neither hot nor cold. I could wish you were cold or hot. So then, because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Because you say I am rich, have become wealthy, and have need of nothing, and do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire, that you may be rich in white garments, that you may be clothed that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed, and anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see. As many as I love I rebuke and chasten, therefore be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and dine with him, and he with me. To him who overcomes I will grant to sit with me on my throne, as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. 
Before I begin a verse-by-verse commentary on the letter to the church at Laodicea, I'd like to take a moment to relate the commentary to the objectives of this course on Revelation and to the companion series on the Gospel of St. John, also available on our YouTube channel. In episode 26 and episode 27 of the Holy Bible, the New Testament, my focus was on chapters 1 and 2 of St. John's Gospel. I pointed out the two unique perspectives which St. John brought to his Gospel. First, that of a first-hand witness to events, and second, his highly spiritual-minded, one might say poetic, approach to storytelling. In the Gospel of St. John, chapter 1, John offered readers a powerful, condensed version of the essential truths about Jesus Christ concerning his origin, his identity, and the purpose of his incarnation, which began with those remarkable words, In the beginning. In the book of Revelation, he uses the same poetic style to offer highly focused, highly spiritual-minded accounts of scenes in the life of Christ. As I will show in the verse-by-verse, he used the last letter, the letter to the angels of the church at Laodicea, to introduce powerful images and ideas about the nature and purpose of Jesus' incarnation that have become vital parts of Christian theology. And this teaching begins with the first verse, Verse 14. The letter begins in verse 14 with a highly spiritual-minded phrase that has always been controversial. In the opening greeting, the voice identifies himself saying, These things says the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. Of the first century writers, only John, here in Revelation 3, verse 14, uses Amen as a title of Christ, rather than in the other Gospels and Epistles, and in the Old Testament to mean, so be it. One might say that John's use is reflected in the modern usage of Amen to mean that there is nothing more to be said. The term faithful and true witness is St. John's second use of the concept of Jesus as faithful witness. John used the expression in Revelation 1 verse 5, which is his own introduction to the book of Revelation. For more on the concept of witness and the possible dangers of witnessing for Christ, see episode 3 in this series. Controversy over the book of Revelation is not new, nor has it gone away. The phrase, the beginning of the creation of God, was used in the 4th century by the group known as the Arians as justification for their heretical teachings, against which the Council of Nicaea was called and the Nicene Creed composed and in the late 19th and early 20th century by the denomination known as Jehovah's Witnesses to mean that Jesus Christ is not the only begotten Son, but a created being. The traditional interpretation of the phrase is Pantocrator, or ruler of creation, or possibly the first place of creation. 
A traditional Christian interpretation that Jesus was present at the creation as the agent of the Father is shown on the creation dome mosaic of the Basilica of St. Mark in Venice, begun in the ninth century. In the demonstration of divine power in verse 14, I know your works, the words which demonstrate these are words which demonstrate the idealist school of interpretation of Revelation, that is, that Revelation offers a message not just for John's time, but for all time. John says, Jesus in John's account says he not only knows their works, but asserts in the assessment in verse 15 of the situation at Laodicea that they are neither hot nor cold which is a reference to their faith. He labels them lukewarm. Modern literalist interpreters of Revelation have suggested that this refers to the warm springs at Laodicea compared to the hot springs at nearby Hierapolis. I think that interpretation misses the true spiritual meaning of these verses, which I think John intended. The point is clarified as the assessment continues in verse 17a with the accusation that they claim to be rich and wealthy and, quote, in need of nothing. On the contrary, he says in verse 17b, they are, quote, wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. In the Confession in the 1928 Book of Common Prayer, Nearly the same phrase is used to describe the wicked condition of sinful mankind. The threatened punishment for the assumption of wealth when they are spiritually naked and weak is to, quote, vomit them out of his mouth. The Greek word in which the NKJV editors decided to translate as vomit is emeo, it is less colorfully translated as spit in the ESV version and equally colorfully translated as spew, spelled S-P-U-E, in the King James Version. It is a similar image, if a more theatrical one, than the threat to punish the wayward by the removal of the lampstand for the Church of Ephesus. As I discussed in episode 5, the modern word for such a rejection is excommunication, or in Eastern Church terms, to have a to be declared anathema. The corrective action in verse 18 should be understood in the spiritual rather than the literal sense. The three commercial products named should be seen as previews of the powerful imageries that John used later in Revelation, and which, as I will demonstrate in later episodes, have their origin in the apocalyptic writings of the later Hebrew prophets. All are commercial products which were readily available in Laodicea. First, gold refined in the fire, that you may be rich, in verse 18. Refined gold symbolizes purity, the image figures prominently in Western church celebrations of the first Sunday in Advent. 
The full text of the Advent wreath ceremony for First Sunday in Advent is available in the AIC publication Occasional Services for Anglican Worship. Second, white garments, that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not be exposed, in verse 18. White is a symbol of both purity and holiness. Nakedness symbolizes spiritual poverty and echoes the words of the Genesis account of the state of Adam and Eve before and after their disobedience, as described in Genesis 2, verse 25, and Genesis 3, verse 7. Finally, anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see, in verse 18. Here the meaning is spiritual darkness, calling upon the image of having eyes to see, based upon the prophecy of Isaiah 6, verses 9 and 10, and quoted in Matthew 13, verse 15. St. Paul called for his readers to open, quote, the eyes of your understanding, unquote, as part of, quote, being enlightened, unquote, to the truth of the Christian faith in Ephesians 1, verse 18. At the end of the passage, he rebukes and chastens and advises those he loves to be, quote, zealous, unquote, and to repent, in verse 19. The closing promise in the letter is in two parts. Part 1 is verse 20, illustrated by a mid-19th century oil on canvas titled The Light of the World by William Holman Hunt. In verse 20, Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and dine with him and he with me. This is similar to the idea of the open door in the letter to the church at Philadelphia in chapter 3, verse 4. This verse was a favorite of John Chrysostom, bishop of Constantinople in the late 4th and early 5th century, who rephrased it into a liturgical prayer, emphasizing that Jesus knocks at the door, asking admission, but we must open the door. Scholars have noted that in the Hunt painting there is no knob on the door, symbolizing the fact that it opens only from the inside. We must open it to allow him in. The verses are, I think, the voice of St. John poetically invoking the traditional invitation to communion with God spoken in the Holy Eucharist liturgy. Part two of the closing promise is an invitation to those who overcome, a familiar theme in many of the letters in chapters two and three. To them he offers a reward, the privilege of sitting down with Christ on his throne at the right hand of the Father in verse 21. The closing line to the letter is a form of summary of the letters to the seven churches. He who has an ear let him hear. In these seven letters, John has reminded readers that everyone has ears, but not everyone listens. Like the Laodiceans, the modern world is lukewarm in its enthusiasm for the traditional teachings of the church. As noted in the letter to the church at Ephesus, the first letter, discussed in episode 5, 
we have abandoned our first love. While we think of ourselves as rich and in need of nothing, we prove daily by our actions that we remain, as in the letter to Laodicea, wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. Thank you for joining me for Episode 8 of Revelation, an Idealist Interpretation. You can help us keep this kind of programming available on the Internet in several ways. You can make a contribution by sending a check payable to Anglican Internet Church to our business office address, 7162 Softwind Lane, Mechanicsville, Virginia, 23111. Or you can purchase books from our bookstore at either our website, www.anglicaninternetchurch.net, or our Podbean site, www.stjohnc.podbean.com. From either, you can be taken to our new e-store, where you can order any of our current publications. All books are also available on Amazon.com by entering a book title in the search box. Or you can further indicate your support by clicking the like and follow buttons on the Podbean site, www.stjohnc.podbean.com, which is the host for our extensive collection of over 400 MP3 podcasts on a variety of topics and scripture readings. You can also like and follow us on our Facebook page. The full Facebook address is on the screen, but you can use the direct link to Facebook from our homepage, www.anglicaninternetchurch.net, and once you've reached our Facebook page, bookmark it for easy return. Both contributors and book purchasers can request to become distance members and receive the weekly update, which usually goes out on Friday and contains the latest news, plus links to the latest videos, podcasts, publications, and tweets. Send me send your request to me at Father Ron F R R O N dot Saint John Anglican, that's S T J O H N A N G L I C A N at Earthlink.net. If you'd like to speak with me personally about this program or any other topic, please call on my cell phone eight oh four three oh six eleven ninety. The best times are 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. Eastern, Monday through Friday. If you don't reach me, please leave a message and a best time to call back. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make His face to shine upon you and be merciful to you. May the Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Amen.